Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Yes, 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 yes. I am Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and this is Connecting with Coincidence. Welcome to the show. Now, let's talk about one of uh, my favorite ideas, the idea for this month. When you tear the web of ordinary reality, coincidences come flying in. Yeah, think about that. When you when your life changes abruptly through sickness, vacation, psychedelics, major loss, major gain, coincidences are more likely to appear. Test test that out yourself. Uh, pay attention to that. And have you ever found a romantic partner in the midst of lots of coincidences? Happens a lot. Happens frequently. The intense emotions of the synchronicity accelerate romantic feelings, deepening the connection between the lovers. But watch out. There is danger here. If you believe all these coincidences mean the relationship is meant to be, uh, then think again. Think again. I wrote the lyrics of, for a song called All These Coincidences. In that story, she thought it was for eternity. Reality brought a good year 
followed by a very bad year and then a breakup. There's more to relationships than those wonderful synchronicities. I encourage you to sharpen your sensitivity to coincidences and to examine their potential uses and explanations. Read my book, Connecting with Coincidence, and learn along with me. Synchronicity, spoken here. Our guest today is Dr. Larry Dossey. Larry is an internal medicine physician, former chief of staff of Medical City Dallas Hospital, and former co-chairman of the Panel on Mind-Body Interventions, National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine, National Institutes of Health. He is executive editor of the peer-reviewed journal Explore, the Journal of Science and Healing. He is the author of 13 books on the role of consciousness and spirituality in health, which have been translated into many languages around the world. His most recent book is One Mind, How Our Individual Mind is Part of a Greater Consciousness and Why It Matters. Welcome to the show, Larry. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Bernie. It's a delight to be with you. Now, I want to start with a very basic question, not so easy. Um, what is the relationship between synchronicity and one mind? Well, I think they're uh, very much related, and as a matter of fact, that was was one of the uh, reasons why I was uh, happy to be on your show about coincidences and synchronicities. For me, the idea of the one mind is not modern. It really goes back uh, two or 3,000 years, uh, certainly to Hindu uh, literature with the Akashic records and ideas of that sort, to say nothing of the fact that uh, – in the 20th century, there were some Nobel Prize-winning physicists who affirmed this idea that if you dig deep, deep enough, what you find is not a bunch of seven billion individual minds on the face of the earth, but you find one mind which is made up of fundamental awareness, fundamental consciousness. I think this is the substrate that makes uh, synchronicities and uh, coincidences possible because it suggests that there is some sort of... Uh, communion between so-called individual minds, and it just uh, creates the uh, fertile backdrop for these sorts of things to occur. We share thoughts at a distance. Uh, this has been confirmed by any number of experiments over the years, and also we share thoughts uh, immediately uh, without the passage of time. All this suggests that uh, consciousness uh, is uh, united between people that it can't be segmented and confined to individual brains and bodies and for me this is one of the reasons we ought to pay attention to synchronicities and coincidences well let's let's talk about uh, the coincidence you begin uh, your article recent article in Tikkun uh, with uh, about uh, a pair of twins uh, and their their telesomatic or what what I call um, simulpathic experience well, I'm glad you bring that up. Uh, one, I have a personal interest in that story because uh, I happen to be an identical twin. And, oh. oh. Uh, my, and I'm married to a twin, by the way. <laughs> identical or not? Uh, no, fraternal. Uh -huh. My wife uh, is, is a fraternal twin. But we've had these sorts of experiences. So the uh, incident that you're referring to is uh, one that took place in Spain back in the 1970s. And it became, became quite famous. It had to do with uh, 
four-year-old twin girls, identical twin girls. And uh, one day the father uh, was going to take them off to see the grandparents who were tens of kilometers away. But one of the little girls didn't want to go. She wanted to stay home with her mother and help her mother with uh, household chores. So you've got one twin girl going off to the grandparents and one staying home. Unfortunately, the little girl who stayed home to help her mom with uh, chores touched a red-hot iron and immediately erupted in a, a, a second-degree burn, a big blister, uh, on one part of uh, her hand. As it turned out, at the same time, at the grandparents' house, uh, miles and miles away, the other little girl erupted in an identical blister on the same hand, the same part of the hand, and uh, this the news of this got out, uh, and they became quite famous locally. There was a team of psychologists from the University of Madrid that uh, descended on the house and oh, did all sorts of uh, tests on these little girls with the uh, with the permission of the parents, and uh, it 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 seemed that they had this uncanny ability to register each other's feelings and even register it in uh, physical signs and symptoms such as this second degree burn. Uh, so this is one of the classic example that examples that uh, uh, has cropped up from time to time in this literature. Not all identical twins experience this sort of thing. The research shows that only about 30% do. Uh, and uh, I, I think that this is compelling evidence that consciousness uh, uh, connects us across the space and time, sometimes in these uh, instances where it's not very pleasant, such as uh, in this burn. I've got a metaphor for that in my book, uh, Connecting with Coincidence, the two, two twin, twins that were joined at the head uh-huh. uh, and had um, a, 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 some filament, uh, I think, between their thalami, uh, which is deep in the brain that connects many different parts of the brain. And yeah. that this... This connection made something like that happen. So if one of them tasted something she didn't like, the other one uh, had a bad taste in her mouth. Well, and that that was a concrete, specific connection. I mean, you can see how that might happen, and that may became for me a metaphor for the two twins, the pair of twins you're talking about. That there's a link that is not as concrete, not as fleshy, uh, but still there's a link. And I wonder how you. If you if you go along with that metaphor, how you conceptualize that link in the greater mind or in the one mind? Well, I think we uh, uh, really can't uh, typify this and explain it uh, classically and mechanically, anatomically, because uh, obviously there's no anatomic connection when they're miles and miles apart. I think we have to resort to some explanations that have... Uh, uh, enormous potential to have explained this sort of thing that have come out of quantum mechanics or modern physics in recent years. Uh, I'm talking about a concept called non-locality, uh, which uh, makes possible something that is called entanglement. Uh, entanglement is something that uh, has been used to describe the ability of particles to uh, uh, respond to changes in one another regardless of how far apart they are. Uh, it appears that although they're far apart and they're two distinct particles, when entanglement uh, kicks in, 
you have uh, one particle changing, and instantaneously, no matter how far apart, the other particle changes instantly and to the same degree. Uh, th- this is mind-boggling for people who bump into it for the first time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be the first to say that uh, th- this is not something that you arrive at at common sense because it defies common sense. But these changes uh, that we talk about uh, in terms of non-locality have three characteristics. Uh, these changes are immediate. They're instantaneous. They're not mediated by any passage of energy between the two. And uh, they're what we call unmitigated. Uh, the connections don't get weaker uh, as you increase the spatial separation of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just have to say that this requires a new way of thinking. Uh, and it uh, it isn't easy, and that's why quantum mechanics uh, continues to, to baffle people who are wedded to a classical way of looking at things. Isn't that entangled, like, Comparing the twin with the hand burn uh, to the, the entanglement, isn't that um, reasoning by metaphor or by analog? Of course it is. Uh, I'd be the last person to say that human entanglement, like we see in those twins, uh, is made possible by something going on at their subatomic level where protons and electrons and photons live. Uh, we don't know that. Uh, we're coming. To, let's continue that in the next segment because uh, this is very. This, this kind of reasoning is very important to me. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. That's me on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and our guest today is Dr. Larry Dossey, the author of One Mind. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. 
Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. The new non-fiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to CC with BB with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and that is me. And our guest today is Larry Dossi, MD, and we are talking about one mind and particularly interested in reasoning by analogy. And we just talked about uh, quantum entanglement as having some kind of way of understanding uh, a pair of twins having the same physical uh thing happened to them at a distance from each other. So please, it's an analogy. It's in a compelling analogy. It's two P, two things having the same thing happen at the same time. That's what's parallel, but they're so different as well. So how, how do we bridge that uh, analogical gap? Well, I'm not sure we can bridge it. I've been one of the people who has uh, held back, uh, 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 and I, I just sort of fundamentally resist explaining human experiences in terms of what our electrons and uh, subatomic particles are, are doing. Uh, as far as we know, there isn't any sort of feeling or emotional component that goes on at the subatomic level. So how in the world is it possible for these twins to have these emotionally close experiences at a distance on the basis of what their subatomic particles are doing. Uh, I, I'm not sure you can uh, 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 explain human in terms of uh, uh, subatomic uh, factors. And yet, and yet, and yet, you use the quantum entanglement as kind of a, an answer to the question about how it works between the two twins. Well, what I do is to say that humans are entangled, uh, yeah. non-locally entangled, and so are uh, subatomic particles that have been in contact and then are separated. Whether or not you can explain one in terms of the other, I just don't think uh, we know yet. I think that's pushing things a bit too far in terms of our present knowledge. I do, too. People, I mean, lo- well, yeah. people love to do this. You know, yeah, they do. <laughs> it gives them something to hang on to in terms yeah. of... Yeah. reason and logic but yeah. uh, I, I say go slow we don't know that uh, 
yet when you talked about the twins, you began, you talked about the non-locality of subatomic particles as if right. in the way you were saying it. And if I hadn't asked you about it, you would have con would have continued to say, oh, that non-locality has something to do with what happened between the two twins. But now that we're talking about it, 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 you, it we get down into it and you're more uh, careful about making that connection. Well, I, I certainly want to be careful. And I think in my writings, I've been over backwards uh, to, to do that. Uh, I think it's fair to uh, mention the uh, possibilities that physicists have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love uh, the metaphor, and I have it in my book too for a different for a different reason. But I've had to think about it kind of the way I'm thinking about it with you, and that's why I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about it because I, I think it starts to lose air because what you said was that humans are entangled, and I think that's true. Whether it's the right because the twins are evidence for that, as are many other telepathic, telesomatic. Uh, simulpathic experiences. They are they are evidence of some kind of connection. And I like reasoning by metaphor too. I think in this digital age, we're getting too much zeros and ones. I like thinking <laughs> in meta. <laughs> I like thinking in metaphors uh, or analogs. I think we're losing that. And the analog I prefer is that. Uh, twin, uh, those twins that were joined at the head, because there they were experiencing something like the, the twins with the burned hands, but right now and quite regularly because they had a connection that could be seen. That metaphor, I can go up a little higher into the one mind and see some kind of tunnel between those two minds that, at a distance. Yeah, I think uh, we're on the same page uh, with this. I could express it in a different way. Please do. Uh, Please do. People, uh, people, human beings were having non-local, entangled ex uh, experiences millennia before quantum mechanics was even invented. So quantum mechanics is a latecomer as far as a potential explanation for these sorts of things. People used to talk about uh, uh, spiritual influences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, and... Uh, theological explanations are given for all this sort of thing. But then, uh, with the materialistic uh, stampede that occurred uh, in the particularly <laughs> yeah. 1800s, yeah. everybody wanted to explain uh, human experiences in terms of uh, matter, what's going yeah. on uh, in the body yeah. um, materially. I, I just can't buy that. I don't think that uh, that's a, a, an accurate reading of uh, where we are scientifically. But I do think this, we have a choice. We can say that uh, these things just don't happen, they're fraudulent, they're, uh, they're fake. And uh, people say that because they want to hang on to the old materialistic view that uh, prohibits all these things. You can't have these entangled experiments if you uh, are a materialist. They just don't, uh, uh, they're just simply not permitted. Correct. So I think uh, the, the, the honest thing to do is to look at the studies. Are we fooling ourselves? Do these things really happen or not? Yeah. It's okay to defer an explanation. We do that all the time, as you know, in medicine. After. To this day, nobody really understands how general anesthetics work, but we don't stop using <laughs> them because we don't understand how they work. So it's the same thing with these entangled, distant uh, things that go on between twins and other people who are emotionally close. Sometimes we just have to live with... Uh, uh, irrationality and the lack of an explanation, and that's okay. Um, we need you to talk a little louder um, or closer to the phone. 
Okay. Would you would you tell us about the that first year you were practicing internal medicine and you had that vivid dream, please? Yeah, well, I was, you know, minding my my own business as the board certified internist, and uh, <laughs> uh, one night uh, things took a took a different turn. Uh, I, I had what I considered at the time uh, one of the most vivid dreams that I've ever had in my life. I started to wake my wife uh, up and tell her about it, but I thought, this is so crazy, I, you know, don't do that. So the dream was that uh, one of my colleagues, a cardiologist, uh, had a four-year-old son who uh, and, uh, cropped up in this dream, and he was lying on an examining table, and there was a technician trying to do something with his head. Uh, I assumed that she was trying to do an EEG, an electroencephalogram, a brainwave tracing, and uh, this kid wasn't buying it. He, he, he was really upset. Actually, he went berserk. He wouldn't cooperate. He was yelling, screaming, crying. And there was a parent of his standing at the uh, bedside trying to console him, but none of this was working. All, in the, all, in, the, all in the dream, let me say. This is all in the dream. This is all in the dream. Finally, in the dream, the technician throws up her hands and says, I quit. And she turned around and walked away. Uh, and that was the dream. And uh, I went to work, made rounds, and saw patients that morning in my office. And at lunch, I was sitting with the father of this little boy, the cardiologist who was my colleague. And uh, uh, we were just chatting. And all, all of a sudden, the, the wife, the mother of this little boy, walks in carrying this child. And uh, he was fussy. He was crying. And he was obviously upset. And she, she proceeded to tell her husband my dream, how they had just come from the laboratory and had to abandon this EEG trial because this kid just went crazy. And I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, I dreamt this thing uh, about 24 hours prior to the, to the unfolding of it. And after she left, I told uh, my my colleague, the cardiologist of the father, that we need to chat. <laughs> and I asked him if there was any way in the world I could have under I could have known that they were going to attempt an EEG the following day. And he said, "Don't be silly." And then I told him my dream, and and he he was upset because he and I both realized at that moment, if my dream were true then the world didn't work the way we had been taught. So, <laughs> Amen, I, brother. Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was really uh, disturbed by this whole thing. I mean, and I, at that point in my life, I didn't go around having paranormal experiences. But, uh, you know, within the space of uh, uh, about three months, I had two more minor uh, precognitive dreams, as we call them, uh, and I thought, uh, you know, I, I need to find out what's going on here. I began to read extensively uh, in the paranormal literature, came away extremely impressed by the precision of the experiments and their implications. Uh, I began to be open about this with my patients, and my patients began to open up to me. And they began to tell me their dreams uh, of this sort. So... Uh, this really influenced my way of thinking about how the world works and how to relate to patients. You said, you, I, you, I could, you, 
You've yeah. implied, yeah, and how to relate to patients. You've implied something about relating to patients that I am doing more and more of is telling my patients some of my personal experiences that might be relevant to them, which we're not supposed to do, particularly in psychiatry and psychotherapy with the Freudian background, but it really helps. Patient yesterday said, you know, when you tell me your stories, I think about things and learn things about things that we're not talking about in here. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you probably know this, but there is an emerging literature among uh, psychiatrists uh, uh, about paranormal phenomena that happen and the therapeutic process with patients. And uh, I know one psychiatrist who uh, has written a paper about how her uh, psychotherapy patients begin to have dreams about her and tell her things that there is no way in the world that they had any business knowing about. Yeah, we're coming so to the end. We're coming to the end of, of this segment, Larry, and I want to get into that more because there's some of what you're talking about. I may not, I may not know about. So uh -huh. I'd like, I'd like to hear what you're picking up. And the most important thing is, you were changed, transformed by those experiences. You're listening to. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and our guest is Larry Dossian. We're getting there, baby. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's w the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your Quarter Pounder. I'll try your filet of fish There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. www.futureofgodamen.com 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm Dr. Bernie Biteman, MD, and our guest today is Larry Dossi. And Larry has had some precognitive experiences early in his uh, practice of medicine that transformed the way he thinks about reality. And he, like a good student of experience, examined the data that might back up what he experienced and came out with a new view of the world, which is what we're talking about here. But one of the key mentions that Larry did was like he's learned how to be able to talk about his own experiences as a physician with his patients. And Larry, you were telling me about a psychiatrist who has patients who dream things that the patient could not, the patient has dreams about the psychiatrist that the patient couldn't couldn't know, just like you dreamt about that child. Well, I think that it's uh, important to acknowledge that these ways of knowing uh, occur in two directions. Uh, Physicians can uh, know things uh, paranormally about their patients, and the patients can uh, respond. I'll give you one example of that. Uh, I uh, was uh, in my office one morning, and one of my old-time patients, one of my favorite patients, who was uh, a female attorney in Dallas, came and knocked on my door. Uh, She was really upset, and she said, we have to talk. She said, I had a dream last night, and I know I have cancer, cancer of the ovary. And uh, she really was distressed. So we did a pelvic examination. It was absolutely normal. She said, I, I can't stop here. She said, the dream was too visit. I just can't let it go. So I sent her down to the x-ray department for a sonogram of the pelvis. And uh, actually, the technician, the uh, radiologist, had a good laugh. He said, I, I've never done a test on the basis of a dream before. This is my first and he made fun of her. So after uh, about 15 minutes, uh, he was back in my office, he, when he, and he was white as a sheet. And I said, what, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, it's that patient you sent. And I said, uh, what did you find? And he said, well, it's like she said. She said she had three little white spots on her left ovary. And that's what I found. And uh, he, he couldn't handle it uh, rationally, and, uh, and I uh, had to poke him a little bit. And I said, oh, you mean you found that uh, her dream was correct, correct? And uh, he, he didn't think that was very funny. But uh, the woman was uh, spot on. She did have three little white spots on her left ovary, but she got her diagnosis wrong, I'm happy to say. These were just uh, ovarian cysts, and they were benign. But this woman had a, a diagnostic dream. Uh, since that uh, event, there has erupted a, uh, a, a, a literature of studies now looking at women's dreams of breast cancer. The go-to person here, Bernie, is uh, Larry Burke. Yes, who he's is, been a, uh, yes. a radiologist yes. who has assembled these cases. And yeah. uh, it, it's just fascinating stuff. It is. Um, this is the second physician or, or medical person that you've told me about who've been blown out by something that you're involved with paranormally. So I'm assuming that this has happened many times also with you and other medical people. Well, it has. And some, some of the experiences have, experiences have been uh, really uh, unexpected. I uh, just as an example, I was giving a, an invited talk to a group of uh, uh, doctors uh, here in Santa Fe who had come here 
for an update in internal medicine, and this was a Harvard Medical School-sponsored conference, and there were hundreds of docs. So they asked me to talk about something unusual. I finished uh, writing <laughs> a book on uh, <laughs> You could do that. Writing... They picked the right yeah. guy for that. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I thought so. Uh, I'd written a book on premonitions, and, you know, I just finished the manuscript, so I was really geared up for this. And uh, uh, I, I told them my experiences of precognitive dreams and, and so on. And, you know, sometimes when you're giving a talk, you, you have this feeling, this isn't going over well. Yeah. And uh, they're oh, yes. not buying this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had that feeling. Uh, yeah. that, well, they'll never ask me back again. And uh, after I'd made a fool of myself t- yeah. telling them about my dreams, we had the Q&A session. And I was shocked. They began to tell me their dreams. One, one fe- female internist stood up in the middle of this group of hundreds of doctors, and she said, well, I, I get numbers in my dreams. She said, I dream the specific values of my patient's lab tests before I even order the tests. Oh, great. Yeah. And it, it went from there. And every one of these doctors, when they would stand up and, 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 and say their thing, they would begin with an identical statement. They would say, look, I've never told anybody this before in my life, but... You know, and then they would proceed. And I, th- I really thought about that a lot. And I think that in that uh, situation, there was no judgment. I'd already, you know, made a fool of myself. So they were safe. They knew I wasn't going to, to lecture them about being silly. And uh, and it just came forth. And I, out of that, I decided that that's this paranormal dreams, uh, non-local ways of knowing stuff. It's probably one of the best kept secrets out there, and a, a lot of doctors just aren't talking about this. Well, I, I'm getting the impression, Larry, that within the the tent of medicine, you are an agent provocateur. Well, that's one of the kinder things people have said about me. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're making people have to look at their own experiences which is what I do with coincidences, and make their judgments about what that tells them about the nature of reality. Sure. What is, and what I is, think it's liberating, you know. It is. Uh, I'm sure we could have a conversation about how it is liberating, what the, what the payoff is, why we should pay attention to that. But I, I think it's intellectually uh, and psychiatrically dishonest to... Uh, just uh, sit on this stuff. I think it really demands that we talk about it because it expands our notion of who we are. And I don't know how to get me with what I'm writing into psychiatry again. I did a lot about psychotherapy. I had a a nationally recognized psychotherapy training program that uh, got used a lot and still is being used someplace. But how to to be able to find a way into the the minds of psychiatrists who are doing something like this too, who have experiences like this, but they don't tell people about them for just the reasons we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I want to. As we get to the end of the, that's another that's another uh, question. But I, I want to I want to to go back to you and your own personal experiences. I, I haven't had the pleasure of talking with an identical twin who is able to recognize how connected thirty percent or so of identical twins are. Um, uh-huh. 
and then married to a fraternal twin where it's also going to happen probably but not as frequently uh, has has stuff like this happened between you and your uh, twin yes it used to be routine when we were growing up uh it's become less uh routine uh and less frequent as we've gotten older and i don't know i don't know why that has happened but my brother and I used to have these sorts of interchanges all the time. Growing up, we didn't know that you weren't supposed to have these things. We just, uh-huh. of these experiences, we just called it twin stuff. Uh-huh. And we, we laughed about it. And we had no idea that this was prohibited in, uh, in, in, in science. And we just played with it. You know, we would have these, uh, long distance exchanges of uh, factual information and and uh, I would know what he was feeling at a distance and how did you know it was how did you know it was how did you look inside of yourself to be able to make the distinction between your own thought feelings and his well we would compare notes later but and, I mean uh, you could compare notes later but in the moment you, I'm doing this with somebody now where I, a couple of times uh, I, I just had the feeling she was thinking about me. And then I saw the e- email uh, and, I, and it's a figure ground thing. Somehow the, the figure emerges further from the ground in my own consciousness than the regular ground of my regular thought feeling things. I, I can only say that it's a feeling thing. Uh, certainly I didn't go through any analytical yeah, rational uh, stuff to try to unravel it as it happened when we were kids. Uh, it's just w- sort of something we we had a sense for. Uh, yeah, that's about all I can say about it. Yeah, you could recognize that feeling inside of you that this was about your brother and not you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, this gets. Uh, to a question, do we, if we experience this one mind, uh, unitary consciousness, do we just get swallowed up and are we unable to differentiate ourselves uh, from all the other people out there? And the answer to that is just decidedly no. We retain our uh, sense of individuality, but it's compounded with a sense of unity and connectedness. Uh, if that seems mysterious, I just plead that, that that's the way it works. Yeah, and this word connectedness is where I am. Um, uh, uh, that's what I study, that I use uh, some subsets of coincidences to try to understand the, the, the geography, the cartography of this interconnectedness. Just how does it work? How does it how does it look? What does it look like? And it's still, we can say that we can't know that because uh, we don't have words for it, but we need to, Michael Grosso's big in making up, says we got to come up with new words. And I think he's right, but we've come to the, coming to the end of this segment and just where we're going to go trying to understand the words for this. I think it'll be fun to do. Good. You're, you're listening to connecting with coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD on the Exxon broadcast network. Our guest is Larry Dossie, and we are trying to figure out, uh, for my sake, what the great mind looks like. You have heard of the X-Zone? 
Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. They're here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back to CC uh, with BB. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Weidman, MD. We're talking to Larry Dossie and trying to figure out how things work. And I'm, I'm an analytical kind of guy as well as a space cadet, and I can share both the idea of looking at one mind and experiencing one mind because I feel it sometimes. I can experience it. But also look at the data that show that like with Larry and his brother, they are connected. They, 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 it's like uh, the old um, telephone between minds or, or radio uh, uh, Upton Sinclair and uh, yeah, radio between minds um, that they can't help using the metaphors of the time to try to understand stuff that's kind of out there on the fringe. So I can I can do great mind uh, one mind I can do psych the 
twin telepathy or twin connection. And then I try to make uh, the connection between them by imagining the connection. And I hypothesize uh, something uh, that called the psychosphere, which is our mental atmosphere. And I keep it to here on earth because things are complicated enough and try to be able to say that we are immersed not only in a greater mind or a one mind but also in a subset which is around earth and which is the psychosphere and it's through this psychosphere that these connections are established and break down that's what's interesting to me make the connections break down sometimes you have them you and your twin had it tighter now it's less why is that so i want to st- i want to try to take data like that and study how these interconnections function well one of the metaphors uh, that has sort of risen to the top among people who fiddle with these uh, ideas is that of the hologram uh, this is the metaphor that uh, uh, the great physicist the great late physicist David Bohm uh, used to try to to understand how these uh, conic connections work a hologram is something where if you take one piece of it and illuminate it in a certain way it reconstitutes the whole thing. Yeah. In other words, uh, the whole pattern of the, the the entire hologram is somehow encoded in each little part of the uh, of, of yeah. the hologram itself. Yeah. So yeah. you know, this is the whole and part uh, yeah. relationship yeah. that it may help uh, some people reason through this. Uh, I, I I'm suspicious of metaphors uh i i must say you know it used to be the telephone uh the telegraph and you know one psychiatrist uh, i read uh, says that you know now holograms are, are are fancy and you know they're the go-to metaphor for a lot of people and he said who knows what rattle we will be shaking in the future <laughs> to explain this so that sort of expresses my uh feeling about metaphors i think we ought to use them and uh, suck as much juice out of them as they'll give us, but we ought to uh, uh, not uh, settle our, our terms with reality prematurely. I oh, no, no, no. I know. I, I think the metaphors are stair steps towards the one mind, towards understanding the bigger thing, but see how it functions with us earthlings trying to expand yeah. our minds into it. Uh, there's another uh, metaphor, maybe you haven't heard, of the mental internet. Huh. No, I haven't. That's, uh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's a yeah. Uh, you know, before the break, you uh, said that we wanted to ask what uh, this connectivity looks like. Yes. And I think that language uh, may need to be changed. I'm not sure that we need to focus on so much what it looks like as what it feels like. Good, 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 and, good. And I think the feeling, the feeling component of this is just crucial because yes, yes, uh, I have found that people who really uh, genuinely tap into this dimension that we're calling the the one mind uh, have a certain character. I mean, they they seem to be happier. They seem to be more prone toward compassion and empathy uh, for others and and love. And also, uh, statistics are beginning to show that not only do they have uh, emotional components, they're actually healthier. They have a lower incidence of illness. Uh, they have a lower incidence of all the major diseases. So uh, I think that uh, we uh, ought to uh, uh, speak to some of the practical benefits of tapping into this dimension of reality. 
you know, I don't know if you have ever met a savant, uh, what used to be called idiot savants, but now they're called people who have savant syndrome. And these people are able to know things that are just unaccountable. Most of them cannot read. They can't acquire information like the rest of us do. But yet they come up with these abilities that are just astonishing. Nobody knows how this works. I think this is indirect evidence that the one mind being infinite constitutes a kind of reservoir of information that some of these savants tap into. I can see no other possible explanation for how they know what they know. This is just one practical implication of uh, this idea of a unitary consciousness. As a physician, you are also talking about the health-giving benefits of uh, tuning in, being part of recognizing, um, being part of the one mind. How do do you uh, try to tell that to patients and other physicians? Uh, Actually, I pretty much don't. (laughs) (laughs) Doctors like uh, randomized controls data and studies and so on. And so I, I, when I talk to groups of doctors about these things, I come armed to the teeth with uh, <laughs> data, with studies, with is, uh, studies, you know, <laughs> p-values and all that sort of thing. And I talk to them <laughs> about uh, at least six areas uh, in which uh, uh, people around the world in laboratories have, have repeated these findings. And uh, in each of these areas, there's odds against chance of around a billion to one. And if you combine all of these areas, what you come up with is odds of against chance of 10 to the 54th power against one. So that gets their attention. And then they go into some of these uh, categories and tell them what these look like, uh, such as precognition, uh, the global consciousness research project, and random number generator influence, remote viewing studies, uh, precognition studies, Gonsfield studies, and on and on. By the time I get through with them, they're sort of dizzy and uh, confused, but uh, that's sort of the point. I just uh, want them to know that we're not making this stuff up, and if they're serious, there is uh, hardcore data that uh, they can investigate. That's all I do, you know, and then I back off, and, you know, it's take it or leave it. I uh, I'm not, I don't ever try to sell this stuff to, to any of my colleagues. From your, if your experience is any example, uh, you can show all the data that you want, all the studies you want, but if they don't have their own personal experience of it, it's not going to mean much. I think that that's exactly right. And I think uh, uh, that this is, uh, in the end, like you say, it's a matter of personal experience. It's uh, not what these things look like. It's what it feels like for the individual. Yeah. But I think that, uh, you know, as that uh, talk I gave to the Harvard doctors, uh, yeah. and I thought it didn't go over very well, I was shocked that this is so prevalent among doctors, and they're just not talking about it because, actually, they're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid of their reputation, and they just don't want to go public about their yeah. own experiences. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 true. Um, I, I'm, I've met a medical student um, here at the University of Virginia, who's who's just amazed to be able to talk with me because uh, I'm the only medical person she's met, met that is into higher consciousness. Well, there you go. You know, I think one of the services that uh, you and I provide for our colleagues is to give them a safe space so that they 
are not fearful about uh, honoring their own experiences. Yeah. Because that's what it amounts to sooner or later in terms of this going uh, uh, mainstream in the medical profession. Do people honor their own experiences? If we could get a yes answer to that, then we wouldn't have uh, so many arguments over about the validity of these things. We're, we're getting close to the end of this, and I wonder if you could make a connection between the increasing use of psychedelics and perhaps having direct experiences by physicians? Well, I, I uh, you know, I'm a child of the 60s, and I've had my own experiences uh, with psychedelics, and uh, I can only say that it, it certainly is a pathway and an opening toward a greater reality. That's been my experience. Uh, I'd be the first to acknowledge that psychedelics can be abused. Oh, yeah. Uh, and one has to be very careful about this. I don't go around recommending uh, drug pathways for any of this understanding. I think there are other pathways. But uh, people experiment. I mean, that's what our society does uh, with drugs. And I know so many people who have, in retrospect, said things like, uh, LSD, mescaline opened me up to something I was not aware of, and then they went on to develop their own spiritual work and were quite uh, uh, disciplined uh, uh, about it. So I think it is a pathway. Uh, well, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a drug, which uh, doctors drug. like, and it's getting used more and more like in places like Johns Hopkins for a variety of problems, people with uh, intractable depression as well as people who are uh, dying and, uh, and other things around the country. So the drug thing, creating mystical experiences in front of doctors may be another way that doctors will get exposed to these ideas. Well, let me just toss this in. Uh, last week, uh, there was a major article got about in the New York Times using ketamine in suicidal patients, uh, and uh, the psychiatrist who wrote this article, he was an ER doc, and he said that this can be absolutely life-saving in people who have survived their first suicide attempt. So now let's 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 end it there because ketamine is yes. another good discussion. But we have to end, Larry. It's wonderful talking with you. Uh, you've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Biden, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. We've been talking with Larry Dossie. It's been a great conversation, Larry. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.